All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We've got a great guest, Javier Reyes. What's up, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, buddy. The artistic director at Colored Ink and executive director of City Crossroads Soma. Yes, sir. All right. And I know you uh, studied cinema and television at San Francisco State University and Laney College. Yes, I did. Right on. So I tried to pick up a lot of this stuff all, online, but you're a <laughs> Mormon. So how did, how did you two, two meet? Back in June. Back when we was in June. We were talking about it before we walked up. Yeah. yeah. Young California Writers Program. Project, yeah. Do the Magic. Yeah, great program. Great time. Early 2000. Yeah. Love that. They would uh, do outreach to uh, high schools and they would the young writers, we would bring in a group of actors that would be us coming mm-hmm. in to do their stuff. Back back when we could actually play young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, right like, before I got all great. You know, it's crazy. I remember the process. Um, it, it reminded me of each one, each one um, theater writing program. But they would give us eight plays, right? Mm-hmm. Cold reads. Mm-hmm. But then they would give us stage directions. Right. For eight different plays. Why are you still holding on to the script, right? Yes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right. Right. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Oh, right. That is, each one, reach one. So then we also connected through each one, reach one, mm-hmm. where it's a sit-down thing. And that was originally because we were in these juvenile detention facilities. Still are. They are in juvenile detention facilities. But in order to get the facility to allow us in, we had to abide by all their rules. So their rules about, like, even how much physical contact you have. Oh, sure. So their rule was we would do it seated. Mm -hmm. Two actors seated in chairs. You could not get out of your chairs, and you'd do the performance that way. So there was no moving around. With the Young Writers Program, we would be doing everything, climbing up on stuff. Like intricate stage notes. I'm like, you don't have to do seven more of these, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, I... This group that I work with, um, the Playwright Center of San Francisco, and they would have these budding young playwrights who, of course, wanted everything in the world. Like, listen, I want you to do that and do that, and we've got props here, and you got to do it. And without realizing, you listen, this is just a reading. You know, right, right. I've got a script in my hand, and, you know, it's bad enough that I've got to read this stuff and still make eye contact. Now you want me to cross and do this and do that. Well, it's yeah. funny because I'm getting ready for um – Every day out. Sunday. Well, every day out. We had our preview last night. Right on. Yeah, I went uh, so, like yeah. Um, so for my, for me, my week is getting ready for that, doing that. Mm-hmm. We did, I was telling Hob downstairs, we did something I'd never done before. They called it a wind-through. Oh. Because we couldn't be in the space the mm-hmm. night before. Mm-hmm. We went to the director's house, mm-hmm. and we did a line-through. Wine was optional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then once we finished the line through, well, yeah. you know, we still had to kill the bottle, so. Yeah. And you can, you can drink wine, right? I, I know yeah. you talked about. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm drinking and just sort of monitoring what my habits are. Yeah. But, yeah, no, drunk, so woke up the next day kind of like, ooh. And then had to do preview last night, which yeah. actually went wonderfully. And then they didn't tell us they were going to have food. Oh. And people do this all the time. Like, right. you know, they're working on kind of a shoestring budget, so they don't remember to tell you stuff. Right. If they told us, oh, after the first preview, hang around, we're going to feed you guys, we would have hung. But instead, one of the actors, his wife, was doing a performance last night, so <laughs> most of the cast took off. Yeah, oh, communication, man. yeah. Really? But usually previews, well, you, either opening night or previews, and you guys have previews last night, right? Preview last night and tonight, and okay. then next Thursday is our official opening 
opening of Everyday Alice, and we're going to plug Everyday Alice. Yeah, um, at the Utopia Theater Project. Well, at, at Utopia is our producer's yeah, yeah. piano fight. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very nice. And then the other thing for me this week was um, a School of the Arts, Ruth Asawa School of the Arts. I'm mm-hmm. a sub. So they have a new teacher that is onboarding in the paperwork process. Right. They have to wait for the district to say, yes, this person can walk into a classroom. Mm-hmm. So Monday they knew that wasn't going to happen. So Monday I'm in. But, and I had already made plans with another teacher to come in on Thursday mm-hmm. for yes, uh, two, week, two days ago Thursday mm-hmm. and next week Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I had a little two-day lesson for that. Then Elizabeth says, can you come in Monday? I'm like, oh, okay, let me come up with a different lesson for that. Mm-hmm. And then she says, and maybe Wednesday if this person's paperwork isn't through. Wow. So I come in Monday, and I thought I was going to have a couple of classes. I had one class for two hours. Wow. And so an hour hits the hour mark, and I said, you guys got to go. And they said, no. I said, where's your next class? They said, right here. And I'm like, what? Improv. Improv. <laughs> so, well, fortunately, yeah. we're working monologues. And wow. so there was no way for me to get around the room. I wasn't going to waste everybody's yeah. time having them sit. Mm-hmm. So I said, get on your feet and do it. And if I saw somebody sitting... I went over to say, hey, what's up? Talk to me about your monologue and let's talk. Yeah. And I'd give them like five minutes. So I'm doing these little quick coaching sessions. That ended up working out great. So when I came back Wednesday, I was like, okay, let's take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Something that they never do mm-hmm. that um, has become a part of my thing, our process. Now, it's hard when you're an artist to get yeah. in front of everybody and not become an actor. Right. right. Yeah. But the fact is, one of the best parts of teaching is you mm-hmm. talk about what the lesson is. You demonstrate. It's I, we, mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. Then we're going to talk through it and work together. Then I'm going to make you do it. Then I'm going to put you on the spot. But I'm not just going to throw you up there and put you yeah. on the spot. Now, yeah. Javier, you, you teach as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you find that you have to almost be a counselor as well as a teacher, or even sometimes a counselor more than mm-hmm. a teacher? Well, it's funny. Um, so at, at the CISS, right, School of Integral yeah. uh, Institute of Studies, yeah. yeah. So they have a drama therapy master's degree program. Oh, right on. So I, I've come to the realization that that's what I've basically been doing for the last almost 10, 15 years. Right. Yeah. Of like, not only am I teaching theater, I'm helping you walk through the barriers and the trauma that have accumulated so that you can be a lot freer in being this character or actually even... Um, even now when I teach poetry, it's, it's crazy. I can't not teach theater, right? Like some people are scared to um, identify with their pain. Yeah. So we just have to give them a mask and give them, put it into a character so that even though it is them, well, yeah. technically it's not because it's this character. Right. And so, yeah, drama therapy is it's an amazing genre. Um, and I feel like that's the medium I use a lot with these kids. Yeah, you know, I saw it. I, I went to school at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and a lot of us young kids were coming out of, and, you know, uh, D.C., I've talked about it beforehand, the mid-'80s. You're talking about crack cocaine and all sorts oh, yeah. of stuff that was Mary being Mary. made. Mary and Mary. Yeah, so, um, but walking to an arts high school and getting scripts and being able to act through, like a lot of the girls were learning monologues from, from colored girls. And uh, they were like, hey, I can, I can express myself and express some of the pain or anguish or what I'm going through as a teenager. Through art. Is the filter. Can I get to soda real quick? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, here's a crazy story about soda. And we oh, get soda school here. So, yeah. I wanted, so I wanted to get into soda yeah. so bad when I was in high school. Oh. Um, 
back when it was at SF State before it be, is that you what was Eugene McIntyre High School now? Right. Um, but I, I wasn't fully uh, immersed in my gift yet. I yeah. was kind of still, and I remember I didn't get in. And I honestly think my my, my parents weren't really having it because my guy in the USC, they were like, uh, you know, we're not paying for you to be an actor. We're not paying thirty two thousand dollars a year for you to be right. an artist. Right. And uh, and so I, years later, I'm doing a performance, and the the principal of School of Arts is there. And I tell my story uh, that, hey, you know, I didn't get into school of the arts. I got into the arts later, and um, she told me straight up, she's like, yo, we, we dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> we should have let you in. I'm like, there you go. no, 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 because no. actually the school I was at, it, it was a kind of a social justice kind no. of school. So I was able to learn a lot of the content for the theater I wanted to do once right. I got back into theater. Right. But um, I still think about how it would have been to go to a school full-time for arts in high school. It's a trip being there. It definitely is. Yeah, you know, it's not, I mean, you know, some kids clearly weren't ready. You know, we had a lot of folks who dropped out because right. they didn't take it seriously. It was like, oh, fun, 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 fun. Well, Instead the school of, needs to know what their what their goal mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Let the kids have dreams of Broadway and film. And right. That's fine. But use that as a mechanism to get them the education that they're there for. That's yes. What they're there for. Especially yeah. now, like, um, I was at School Arts last year, and I didn't really see that many black kids. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, which is indicative of San Francisco, but I think even now as an artist, and the young artists, you teach these kids how to monetize who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like um, someone was telling a story on, like, once they get tired of you, what what do you have? Right. Right? So once you're in an institution, particularly even non-black, and when they're done with you, mm-hmm. It, was that your only stream of income? Was that your only way to tell people, hey, this is how I do my art or mm-hmm. my right. craft? And I don't think that was ever a component, even when I was coming up in arts. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, hey, man, you know, brand yourself, get this website, all these different things right. in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the time they're in college, they already had the game. They're not waiting to get advanced in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important. And it's something that we weren't, we had one teacher who was like, listen, I'm not going to treat you guys as kids, as adults. Right. I'm going to teach you not only the ins and outs of beats and objectives about as far as theater is concerned, mm-hmm. but also the business of theater, mm-hmm. how to get cast and how to look at yourself as not just a person, but as a brand. Mm-hmm. Right. Unfortunately, he was the only teacher. Everyone else was sort of, you know, we had some, some good teachers, not some not so good right. teachers. Wow. Yeah. And that's true with all of those those. Schools with that focus. Yeah, they yeah. Get a range of focus. Yeah. I want to hit on uh, some current events. There are, we already got into your thing. I wrote a bunch of stuff again last, yesterday. Really, there's just two things. The Colin Kaepernick thing. I really want to yeah. talk about that. I mean, that, that blew my mind. Okay, so to make a long story short, him and Eric Reed, mm-hmm. who's still playing in the NFL, he's with mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers. They filed a lawsuit with the NFL, a collusion lawsuit. Right. Yesterday, there was a settlement. Of course, right. nobody knows what the settlement is. Right. And I'm very pissed off because I wanted some depositions. I wanted something to oh, be on the record. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the owners are like, here, here's some money or here's whatever the quid pro quo right. is. Keep your mouth shut. And they said, okay. I don't know. How, how do you guys feel about that? I, well, again, without knowing the details. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm trusting Cap. Come on. The man has to know at this point, unless somebody threw him a contract right now, mm-hmm. his career is pretty much done. Yeah. So it, there has to be a component of money to it. But if he's going to give up what would have been, a, you know, a, at least a full-time career, he would have had a long career mm-hmm. just based off of his start. He would have had a career. Um, 
So if you're going to lose all that, make them pay and not the money. Yeah. Make them come up with some rules. And what they're agreed still in the game, it means you're talking about somebody who's saying, no, going forward, y'all yeah. need to y'all need to be on notice that you can't get away with the old, you know, the old farm mentality. So, so here's the thing about Eric, the Eric Reed part of it. Um, and I'm glad Eric Reed got money because when he signed to the Carolina Panthers, he got drug tested seven weeks in a row. Yeah. They, they focused on him. They targeted him. They targeted him right. after he got signed. And so no one really brought that up. I thought that was huge. Right. Because right? that is one thing that, okay, someone signed you. Now you're being signed. Now you're being targeted. Now right. you're being – like you don't need seven drug – there hasn't been a record of him doing drugs right. for him to get targeted seven weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, this past NFL season has been interesting, especially Eric Reed, because he even got into a fight with another player. Uh-huh. Because okay. of this whole, uh, you know, do you take the knee or right. do you not take the knee? And I think uh, the other player had um, made some sort of a deal or had said something. Did you know, John Malcolm Jenkins? I think so. Yeah, so, yeah, Malcolm Jenkins, um, I thought he was like a player rep. Yeah, like that. that. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, no, he totally sold out the movement from what I heard. Like, he, uh, he was all, you know, yeah, I get it. And then basically took some money from the NFL to say, hey, you know, you know, let's 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 talk about more programs. I'm like, yeah, 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 exactly. And of course, um, Jenkins, I think, is a wide receiver, and and uh, Reed is yeah. a cornerback. So there's all that that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But but um, I mean, it's it reminds me of Kurt Flood. I mean, I mean, going back to history, Kurt Flood was the baseball player mm-hmm. who basically was like, listen. I'm not chattel, and I, you know, I want to have some say so in me being traded to another team. Mm-hmm. But his stance, and of course, he was blackballed out of Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. yeah. really from that point on. But he set the standard for other future right. baseball players. I don't know if the standard's been set by Kaepernick. I mean, well, basically, th- so throw Nike in here. Yeah, too, yeah. That was it. Colorado. There's a store. Oh, yeah. They were cutting Nike products because they didn't believe in this whole political thing. They just went out of business. Oh. They just announced this week that they had to go out of business because mm-hmm. they got rid of all their Nike products. Oh, yeah. If you're about money, the, the number that um, is flowing around is uh, was $80 million. $80 million. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it makes sense because... You know, the contracts he could have got. I mean, right. the NFL is basically a backup quarterback league. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're a tall black man who can throw and run. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. like, even, like he could have gained a lot more money. And right. so, and just with everything else he had to deal with, you know, secure, you know, sure. 80 million is a drop in the bucket. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it, it just, yeah. but, you know, the owners, I feel that the owners sort of got their way. It's like, listen, we want black men to salute. Obey, do what we tell you to do. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be that way. Well, I don't imagine Cap's going to be quiet, though. I bet that's not part of the deal. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's kind of quiet already, though. Like, yeah. He doesn't, he has the part of Cap, I, like, I, I've been riding with Cap from the beginning. Even very unpopular yeah. in circles, right? In certain circles. Mm-hmm. But I, I just noticed with in terms of our leaders in our community, they've been a lot, they've been very vocal on a lot of things, yeah, right? Yeah. Traditionally, historically, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do like what he, the stance he did take. I'm not saying so much, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like I don't know. Maybe he felt like he did say enough. I'm I'm totally with you, Javier. I think that I mean when you have especially every time a team wins a championship, mm-hmm. they have to make a decision: do we go to the White House to visit Trump or or no? Mm-hmm. 
even some Patriots, there's some black Patriot players who are like, no, I'm not going. Right, right. So they're folks who are really in front of the camera, they're in front of the mic, they're getting the word out. Even, you know, politicians like, you know, our good friend um, uh, um, AOC, oh, <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, yeah. <laughs> but Kaepernick has, you know, he's been largely silenced. like, well, I'll let other people, you know, right. you know, I'll be the martyr, sure. the silent martyr. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know, I have yeah. feelings about that. Okay, so that's what's going on. The Trump, de- Trump declares a state of emergency. And got slapped down immediately. But says, I don't need to do this, right. which is going to be used as evidence. Which will be used against as evidence it. that this is not an emergency. You right. can't define something as an emergency and say you don't need to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that is just... Um, now, Javier, I, I take it you nor are... Nor is the party, and nor is the party on, with, on board with him about this. The GOP, oh, the GOP, yeah. The GOP has not only been mostly silent, but mm-hmm. a few people have kind of said, no. Yeah. And there was one, I think it was GOP, who was declaring um, to run for president oh, yes. against the incumbent. Yep. Right. Which doesn't usually happen. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, Javier, I take it, you know, from your name, I, you know, you're Afro, you know, you're a black man, but you're also Latino? Yes, sir. Um, how are you affected by, um, just emotionally, by what's happening down there? People aren't talking about the wall, or at least the people affected by the wall anymore. But two kids have died already. Yeah. Um, I think how I'm affected isn't just um, recently, it's historically. Yeah. You know, um, there's a huge conversation um, <laughs> that there's a couple conversations I feel like we need to have yeah. in conjunction with this conversation. And I think we're just settling for the right now. And sure. then there's some, some other things in the closet that we need to open up that door and really talk about when we talk about land. And uh, I, I remember someone once told me that, you know, we're all Atlantic Ocean wetbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so there's a certain sensitivity in that. And even me as a, as, a, as a man of faith, too, like, it's very specific about being kind to immigrants and yes. foreigners, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we stand on all these principles, quote-unquote, and yet when it's not convenient, you know, mm-hmm. this, this thing's all about contracts. You know what I mean? This whole oh. thing's all about kickbacks and, mm-hmm. you know, and... Right, and, because we never go after an employer. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to complain about these people taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. Y'all never go after an employer. Right. And, and yeah, and, and yeah it's, it's, this is all really, this is all financial. You yeah. know what I mean? In, in the end... And um, I, I wish they had the balls enough to just say, look, they'll never say, no politician will ever be like, look, man, these guys voted for me. I have these contracts waiting. They were really just building this wall so I can pay off this guy who contributed this amount. Right. No one will ever say that. But that's yeah. what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, even I, in my heart of heart, I believe Trump thinks it's BS. But he has he people does. that want to f- that, he, that yeah. funded him, yeah. his lobbyists, and saying, I need those contracts. Or some of them might actually do believe it, but in actuality, like, you're gonna make a, you're gonna make a wall that's 50, 55 miles or fifty miles like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wonder who who what who the contractors are who's gonna build this thing and you know what kickbacks are behind it. Oh, I think that word is because that word went out initially when people mm-hmm. started yeah. throwing bids out, and I bet it's gonna go out again and say who are these people? Yeah, we want to know. Yeah. It reminds me of the Iraq War, which of course had nothing to do with. You know, nine eleven. But Dick Cheney. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Vice, which talked about Dick Cheney. And I knew all of that even before Vice came out. I think Vice could have done an even better job. I mean, Christian Bale did, you know, the okay job is Dick Cheney. But Cheney, who was was a member of Halliburton and KKR, who got paid paid a lot of money money. for subcontractors, you know, building houses for the military Mm -hmm. in Iraq. 
and nobody yeah. talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I'm totally and, with and, you. And, and so on a personal level, just working with a lot of young people, mm-hmm. I, I remember when Trump initially got elected, there was so much fear. Like, kids weren't coming to school. Right. Yeah. Oh man, it, it was it was heartbreaking. Even now to see these kids and, and, and you know Mexican people being demonized mm-hmm. when next to black people they are the foundation of this country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, West yeah. Coast, yeah. Like there, there is no, you know, there is no California. There's there is no, no Texas. No there's Texas. no California, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Arizona. And yeah. And so to, to demonize them when you feel like so let's get to the big the bigger here's the other conversation. Yeah. Let's look at 2049, when they're going to be the majority in this country. Yeah, right. yeah. That, if we want to really be honest, that's what you're scared of. You're scared right. that white, the, the, the white majority right. are in fear of being bled out. And, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. these these folks who are in a you know, servitude mm-hmm. kind of position mm-hmm. are just going to be flipped. The last shall be first. Right. The first shall be last. Yeah, that's and that's right. what is really on a, on a, like a moral, spiritual thing. Yeah. That's what it's really about. Yeah. I wish you had the balls enough to say that we're mm-hmm. just in fear of these guys doing to us what we did to them. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And there was an article actually maybe 10 or 15 years ago talking about how the Latino population is growing. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned faith. I have a, another podcast, you got to have faith, where we talk about Christianity. And I'm appalled at the, um, the Christian right Mm-hmm. who will embrace Trump because he embraces, you know, anti-abortion and all of these other things. Yet they turn a blind eye to something that is absolutely horrible. I mean, you know, when I hear about kids being detained and put into cages and some of them dying, I mean, how is it different from what King Herod did back in the times of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ? It, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a whole thing. They're, they're, I forget, it's... it's uh, I think it's talking about Saul in the Bible where it talks about um, the people. Because when Trump died, I've always been, mm-hmm. um, you know, Trump criticized some uh, missionaries. They had got uh, cholera, the Ebola. And yeah. in 2014, he was like, that's what they get. They shouldn't have come back to the country. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a man of faith, you wouldn't say to someone who's going to another country to provide health care for right. people who are right. dying and they happen to contract something, oh, that's mm-hmm. your fault. Yeah. You, you, you're not, that automatically disqualifies you from even mm-hmm. associating because that's what you do. You live yeah. your life for others. Yeah. Right. But but he um the, in the, in the word it's talking about Saul. He's saying God's basically saying to the people of God like Hey, um I'm enough for you. But they're like No, we want a king like the other nations. Right. And he says Okay, you know Sam. I think it was uh so he he tells one of the prophets Go tell the people that and the people are like No, we still want it. And then God tells them You're, you're the guy you're going to try to elect is going to abuse your women. He's going to cause famine, cause great division. Mm-hmm. He's saying all these negative things he's going to do. Basically, what's happening right now. Yeah. And 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 God tells him, go tell the people of God mm-hmm. that. He tells the people this is exactly what's going to happen if you elect this guy. Yeah. And they still say we want him. Yeah. Yeah. This, and if that's not like right now. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people tell you this guy is going to be so divisive. Exactly. We just want someone there to look at so we can worship. Yeah. The LA Times had a, um, an article this week, and it started with that. This is what he told us. He said, so, and they did, like, Obama, they did a few other presidents, you know, with one-line points. What did they say they were going to do? Come on. And then Trump jumps in. Mexicans. They're rapists. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, right there, he told you yeah. what he was about. Yeah. And one little phrase right off the bat. And that was what he said in his first mm. big speech. I know. 
Yeah. And and once, you know, I, the minute he got elected, I said to myself, because there's, I think in Exodus, Moses has the Ten Commandments. He comes down to the people of Israel, who he delivered. Right. And what do they do? They're worshiping the, yeah, the, uh, golden, the, calf. the golden calf. Yeah. And, you know, and that was like, hey, that's the perfect analogy of the Trump administration. And I was last night I was thinking about how many people have been indicted, because I was thinking about Roger Stone and Cohen uh-huh. and Paul Manafort. Uh-huh. He's, he's almost on par with Nixon as far as right. having enough people indicted and also fired yeah. from his administration. Yeah. You know, I, I believe this principle um, that most, it's an old mm-hmm. proverb, but it says most kingdoms are conquered from the inside before they ever conquered from the out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his kingdom has been conquered. Oh, yeah. Like, with all the, because a house divided can't stand. That's right. And so, when you, like, there's people there who, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, when we talk about who are the people that voted for him, right? And I try to, I try to divide. Look, there's the real racist, mm-hmm. you know, like the straight up. They are down with the agenda. That's right. Okay, yeah, they're, they're all in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you have those who think, you know, because a lot, a lot of women voted for him, right? Initially. No, sure. And and so there's this weird kind of yeah. They don't know that they're racist, but I've always felt there are three levels of racism. There's some yeah. who are right in your face. Look. You're a nigga, I don't like you, and blah, 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 right, right in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. Then there are those who are like, oh, I love black people. You know, my, my barber was, is black. You know, mm-hmm. the woman who cleans my, I love Latinos. You know, they clean the toilets well. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's like backhanded, and, you know, they put you in this box. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third level where people will ask, I, I remember I was, my first year at NYU, a white kid was like, hey, um, don't be mad, but have you ever wanted to be white? You know, do you feel like strange in your skin or whatever? And he was very afraid. He he was just worried that I was just going to punch him or whatever. But he was curious. He knew that he had some prejudices, but he was trying to ask questions to sort of enlighten himself. I actually don't mind that at all. At least ask me. You know, if you have a curiosity, if there's a prejudice that's been, you know, floating around your family, I can pop that for you or, you know, someone else can. So let me give you a quick – because I've gotten this a lot because I'm, I'm – I'm, I identify with hip hop, right? But when someone, I, mean, I literally remember this in '99. This mm-hmm. chick, I'm, I'm in the lobby. She comes up to me. She's like, "You listen to hip hop, huh? You listen to hip hop, huh?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, but I listen to other things." And then I remember I'm in the office and I'm hanging with some guys, and this dude comes in. This is when Cell Force was in town, and, and YouTube was, and U2 was performing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm about to go see U2," and da da da. And the guy looks at me, white dude, he's like, oh, you probably have never heard of them before. I'm like, excuse me? Mm. I had to bust out my phone and say, you see this? What does it say? Yeah, exactly. Greatest hits. Don't tell right. me what, you know, like. Yeah, people, people are, people, you know, these boxes and they have these stereotypes and prejudices that, that people just have. You know, hey, I've got. I've got, uh, you know, Public Enemy and, and, B, and you know, uh, Boogie Down Productions, but I also have uh, Gordon Lightfoot <laughs> that I'm listening to. Come on. Exactly. So uh, Javier Reyes, um, who Colored Inc., uh, Crossroads Soma, a bunch of other things. Let's hear an origin story. How did you get involved in theater? Are you born and raised here? Yeah, born and raised in San Francisco. Um, so theater found me in this very weird, weird way. Um, fourth grade. I remember I'm outside uh, in elementary school. Yes. Elementary. Do you have siblings? Yeah, one sister. Okay. One sister and then two brothers from marriage. Um, I mean, at, at Elementary, I remember, 
this was at a time where like some amazing artists would come to public schools mm. and do work. Like, you remember those days when like you know, you, you still do know, but I'm talking about like 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 acclaimed like artists would come and just do stuff in public oh, schools for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was, you know, and so I, I had that with the sister. Um, and so she's like, "Hey, does anybody want to do theater?" Like we're having signups. I remember she was beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I literally remember it was like a Spike Lee movie. Wait a minute, how old were you? Fourth uh, <laughs> grade, so eight. Oh, damn. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I knew it was up. Yeah, she was beautiful. And I literally remember, like, she's she's across the yard, but far enough so I can hear I literally remember something pushed me to her, and there was nothing behind me. You know, a Spike Lee movie where you pay right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I literally felt like I was on a Spike Lee track. <laughs> yeah. And I literally, I'm up in front of her, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'll do it. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm like, I, I had no artistic experience before that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm literally, I remember I'm rehearsal. It's this thing called the show they used to do at Stern Grove, where they would get all these elementary schools and they would basically do a performance for like whoever wanted to come through. It was five thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't have no speaking lines. It was like an African kind of like piece or something. And I remember the teachers kept coming up to me and they're like, "Man, you're so good." You're so good. I'm like, why? I'm not, I don't have any lines. She's like, because you listen. You mm-hmm. follow directions. I was like, oh, I didn't know that that would be something that would be helpful. <laughs> I was like, okay. And, man, I, literally, I had no lines. I just did everything. I mm-hmm. did it with energy and passion. And I got so much love for it. Right on. And, literally, I, I didn't do theater after that for 10 more years. <laughs> so, it just happened. But, like, in high school, I got into creative writing. Right, and then that kind of opened up something again. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the theater bug bit me. I just didn't. I didn't know where to follow up with it. Sure. There was no. There wasn't this community that's around now. If you get it, people know how to navigate you. How did you get involved with um, the Young Writers California Writers Project? So okay, so here goes. The, so the next chapter in it. Um, so I remember Bravo Women in the Arts, right? Right. Amazing free. Still, when they got the new space. When they got the space they have now on 24th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So this is 96, 97. Mm-hmm. So I remember I'm a junior in high school, and I'm, I submit an application. They had this amazing free um, theater technical training program called right. uh, the Crew, Running Crew, right? Running Crew, yeah. Um, and so I was like, cool. And, you know, again, Creative Arts opened me up as a junior. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to get back into it. And I would love to learn the behind-the-scenes stuff. And so... I got into Bravo since I didn't go to USC. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm at State. Let me go into Bravo. Mm-hmm. I go into Bravo, learn all the technical aspects. I just a, a, amazing love because my first interaction was in front of the stage. Now I'm behind the scenes learning how to light act, mm-hmm. learning how to, yeah. like, sound yeah. design sets. And I had um, an amazing teacher, amazing teachers, Miss um, uh, Rochelle, who just, like, taught me art and taught me all this amazing stuff. And then I remember one day, I'm, like, changing the light, and our girl, Amy Mueller, is doing a play reading. Mm-hmm. They used to do this, these play readings at Braba, and she's like, hey, we got this play. It's called Seeking the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Some, some guy or somebody in New York would like to see if you like to audition since you put on your application. And I did it, and she was like, you're casted. Wow. <laughs> okay. So now I'm 18 years old, right? I'm like, okay, I'm doing lights and stuff. And I remember I'm in this room, and Hanford, a couple, like, Mm. legit cast in that room. Yeah. And I'm going, it's basically the story was, it's, it's like the Takashi 6 9 story. There's a guy, two kids, they're, um, 
they're doing drugs, but one of the kids schemes some money from the big drug dealer, mm. and so um, he's calling them now, like, yeah. hey, I need, I, you know, you need to come up with the money. And so I'm that guy, and I know this life. I, I know it very, very clearly. And so everyone's laughing, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, the actors are laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? Like, I'm 18. This guy's like professional. <laughs> 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 you like, like, I'm ready to go fight. And these dudes are like, yo, you're so believable, man. Wow. <laughs> you're so like, and I remember I think Hanford sat me in his car, mm-hmm. and he just told me as like a, um, as a young actor, He's like, look, man, just, like, you got it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, don't, don't, just just be you through this character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it changed my life, man. I did it. And next thing I know, I'm in the, the theater acting program mm-hmm. at Bravo. Uh, and Sarah Maper, amazing acting teacher, she, um, she so I loved hip-hop. Right? I was heavy into hip-hop. Right. I'm, a, I'm a 90s baby, born in 79, so I, I was alive when hip-hop was technically right you know sugar hill gang popped in 79 yeah like my whole it was crazy and so i loved hip-hop and i asked and this question changed my uh changed everything for me because basically i was operating two different worlds right i had my hip-hop world here and i have my theater world over here and one day we're just writing and i said hey sarah um can i mix the two and she said one word that changed my life she said yeah Mm-hmm. And so I said, cool, family reunion, let's go. Yeah. And then spoken word starts to pop up, like, yeah. you know, that poach. And so, and what was dope about that program is all these amazing young artists of color from the city were coming to this free theater training program just right. sharing our lives, sharing wow. our stories. Oh, yeah. And so I had Ellen Sebastian Chang, I had Michael Torres, mm-hmm. um, you know, Idris Cooper, oh, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, in raw, too. They're just teaching us how to tell these stories. And then I, and I can tell you about the coding part. But mm-hmm. basically what happened, how I started my own theater company and, and became a professional at it was we're doing Luis Valdez's um, Zoot Suit. Mm-hmm. And this is the entrepreneur of me. I remember we're doing it. We're practicing it. We're all in, you know, the gear. It's getting a lot of attention. And Luis Valdez comes and says, hey, you guys didn't get all the rights to the play. You can only do half of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? <laughs> We've been rehearsing for like four months, <laughs> and so they're like basically coming and saying, "You gotta cut this, 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 this." Mm. And we're kids, and we're just heartbroken. Right. And I, I remember it just hit me. It was like if we write our own plays, we never have to get permission. Boom. Yep. Started. Wow. Wow. You know, just listening to you talk, I mean, that's really Oakland. I mean, I've heard, you know, Norman talk about how, you know, you have groups pop up to saying, hey, listen, we don't want to do other people's things. We want to do our thing. Right. And it sounds like, you know, it isn't just theater, but it's also a freedom of expression. Right. Where people can just, you know, sort of be themselves. Right. Um, The business part of it, like Color Inc., um, like money-wise, I mean, like how how are you guys doing fundraising-wise and all that sort of stuff? So, okay, so initially – so, so 99, so I'm like, okay, cool. So basically, I kind of take over the Brava theater thing, right? Because right. everyone wants to be a part of what we're doing. We're doing yeah. hip-hop theater, and these amazing teachers are teaching us how to, like, just incorporate everything. You're an artist. You can be able to have Chinese opera mixed in with, you know, strutting, mixed in with poetry and theater, and mm-hmm. tell a narrative, tell a story. And I, I just, I didn't realize my creativity was jumping off stage now to more administrative, visionary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so Ellen, um, 
excuse me, Ellen Gavin, who was the right. executive director of Bravo at the time, amazing fundraiser, visionary. Yeah. She like, I remember she brought in Willie Brown to one of our rehearsals, oh, wow. and I like Willie dropped three million on the building. Yeah. Like she was all oh, hustler, right mm-hmm. hustler, and um, she was like, you know, we're doing showcases, it's going this buzz, you know, this is this gang territory. So we're having people come and see us that otherwise wouldn't be coming in the theaters at all, right? Yeah. From the oh, Jackson yeah. buddy, <clears throat> and she said, hey, can you? If you were to get some money for this, could you write up a proposal? And I said, sure. I, I, you know, we would do these amount of shows. This is what mm-hmm. the themes would be, yada, yada, yada. Sure. And so, um, yeah, I learned a lot from Ellen, just her, because she was an amazing She's, grant writer. She is an amazing, yeah, fundraiser. She knows how to talk to the community. Mm-hmm. She knows how to outreach. Yeah. And the funny thing is, unlike some people, she is so committed to that goal. It's right. not about the money. It's not about any of that for her. It's about reaching out. Right. It's about that artistic expression, but finding that audience. She, mm-hmm. you know, she's been clear about that from the beginning. Yeah, she, she, she. Yeah, I mean, so, so basically, I wrote a proposal, mm-hmm. and um, we got thirty thousand. Yeah. From Columbia, mm-hmm. so we basically did nine plays in one year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nine showcase. So six showcases. Three plays. Mm-hmm. So I had a crew at the time of 12, and it just kept growing, 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 to 50. And we were just basically riding. And then I remember the fundraiser from Columbia was there, um, and they're all in other fundraising depart- uh, groups, and they brought their kid. One of them brought their kid, uh-huh. Susan. And uh, I remember seeing her eyes. She was like, yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and literally, no more than a week later, they're like, not only are we going to refund you, we're going to refund you for three years, they're going to give you an extra twenty thousand. Wow! So that turned into almost three hundred some thousand mm-hmm. from just one year of just right. excellence. And right. Ellen helped me craft it. So that that was one of the things too about college. I'm at Essex State. My father dies too, and so I'm just, I'm just it's it's all bad, right? Like, and so I had an opportunity. I'm a college dropout. I had an opportunity to work alongside one of the best. Right. You yeah. know? And so it was. I had to make a decision. Like, do I continue with my education? But I have a door that not that many people get, right, right. Yeah. and I just took it. Mm-hmm. I, I took it, and I haven't looked back since. I, I, you know, I, I love education. I, I, you know, I wound up, you know, mm-hmm. co-teaching at Berkeley, all these different places. Right. But you know, sometimes I do battle with that. But I just all I knew is I had a lane, I had a door, mm-hmm. I had this creative process to get money. Mm-hmm. And I was just doing it. And I just couldn't do school in that at the same time. Yeah. Right. Well, we talked about how some people need education. We've debated about whether theater education is necessary because sometimes theater education only works to get rid of your bad habits. Mm-hmm. But some people have naturally have it already mm-hmm. without needing. And sometimes education can be a detriment because you get into these, I don't know. Well, they try to put you in a box. Yeah. Because Hob and our my connection came together because at that point, theater, in its efforts mm-hmm. to try and diversify, reach out, yeah. was they were getting writers for stuff, mm-hmm. occasionally getting directors. Yeah. Um, and then they were desperate for talent. So they're grabbing people like me, a little suburban black boy, yeah. and saying, you're going to be in this gangbanger piece. And I'm like, uh, or are you going to be in this rap piece? And I'm like, uh, what? I say, what? Is this some Shakespeare? Because I could do some Shakespeare. But yeah. And so when Hob and I came together, it was clear that he was coming from the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it became very clear very quickly. It's like, oh, this piece, Hob. Yeah. Is this right or is this wrong? Ha, do you want to do this role? Yeah. 
And going from there was suddenly like, because Hob had enough of a background about how it is you make theater, yeah. he would say, well, no, I think we need to do the staging like this on this. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or, you know, you really wouldn't do it this way because of this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, this is exactly what they want. And the problem with nonprofits is you run into that place where somebody is so about their vision right. that they forget they're doing it on the cheap. And they want to keep asking you to sweat your, you know, your life's blood into their process, and they forget to give you some. Right, exactly. And so it was clear, and I think in terms of what our trajectories were, I think we were on the same level at that point. It was like, I'm trying to figure this out, too. Right. And I'm not about to let you disrespect me and claim that you're doing something for my community. Right. But you're not actually respecting me, the people of my community. Yeah. You just want to. You're going to get this money from these people. You're going to pay us pennies, yeah. and then you're going to, and then you're going to control the message, and not really understand what was going on. So I remember. So Hop and I have connected through Young Playwrights, yeah, and then through Each One Reach One. And again, I'm like terrified. I'm going into a lockup, and I'm going to go talk to a bunch of kids from some neighborhoods that I wouldn't even walk through. Right. And I'm supposed to tell them something. Right. And then I realized, okay, so what the program is about is I do have something to tell them, mm-hmm. but part of what I'm telling them is I am not you, but we are all being lumped in the same thing. So you're not bad. I am you in the sense that you're not bad any more than I'm bad. I don't see myself mm-hmm. as bad. You shouldn't see yourself as right. bad. But you were in that neighborhood, and mm-hmm. you got busted where me and my <laughs> friends doing the same shit in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> cops picked us up, they would have taken us home and turned us over to our parents. Right. So, the system is broken. It's not you and it's not me. Right. The system is broken. Yeah. And this is where we can start to connect. Yeah. But then the place where my respect for you actually went up was to start to hear more about Colored Ink. So I did a show and we went to New York mm-hmm. for a hip-hop festival. And something I'm talking to Hob, it was like, they're going like every other year or something. Hob is taking a show out there, and I'm like, wow, I'm with this legitimate theater company in San Francisco doing this important art. Mm-hmm. And here's Hob yeah. rolling in with his crew yeah. to do something that the audience is jumping out of their seats about. Yeah. And, that, and that's important, the rawness of theater. I mean, when you get so into, you know, the politics and the refinement of... Like, well, the museum, what I call museum theater. Yeah. yeah. Know, when I did Death of a Salesman, I was like, why are we doing this tired-ass old show? Right. right. And then I read the play and went, oh, wait, okay, okay, yeah, I, I can respect this. Mm-hmm. And then the director's take on it, which was so Oakland. Yeah. Like, I can imagine this old white guy living in one of these neighborhoods right now right. who's been living next to a black guy the whole time. Yeah. And back in the day, the fact that he was respectful <coughs> of that black guy was unusual for everybody else. Yeah. Right. But he's never really changed. He's always been the same guy that he was back then. Right. The world has changed yeah. around him. And now I'm that neighbor who can say, mm-hmm. everybody's blowing you off as this old white guy. Yeah. I've been knowing you as the same asshole from when we first met. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and you give the same respect mm-hmm. that you gave me back then. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the world kinda understand how complicated you are, but right. I got you. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful to to be able to say, No, we can take this show, this story to anybody. Come on. Mm-hmm. And those audiences are gonna receive it in a totally different way. But right. I'm not leaving my neighborhood or forgetting where I'm from. And and, and man, you're hitting on the nail. And, and that was again, man. Like when I came into this, there was no, there was no 
blueprint or no. No, there wasn't. It, it, it was, all I know is that there were, you know, we're coming out the 90s, right? So the 90s, the golden era, I mean, so much great black, mm-hmm. you know, television, film. Right. And yeah, it's like me. 2000, yeah. right? Wilson is in his prime. Rock. Yeah, rock and TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah right. Poetry Jam come out, which yeah. changed yes. again for a lot of people. It was unfortunate that it was poetry that kind of opened the door for a lot of these young black and brown writers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, right. and they had the Hip Hop Theater Festival too, but it, it was, it was, there was a, a, just a door of vibrance and just creativity for a lot of creatives. Yeah. And this is crazy because it's under, you know, under Bush's administration. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of inspiration tap into it. Yeah. So much atrocity. Yeah. So prior to that, Clinton, I think Clinton opened up a lot of doors. I think Clinton yeah. appearing on a Arsenio yeah. Hall, you know, yeah. 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 Home, right. basically yeah. embracing well, the country, hip-hop. The yeah. country, part of the country was ready for it. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the growing part. When you look at the right. rap, the rap consumer numbers, yeah. you know, that demographic... Yeah, We're talking about mm-hmm. black people. Yeah, We're talking about white people. It got, it got real corporate, right? Yeah, and, and um, and so yeah, I'm, 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 you know, thank, and thank God for Braga as the platform, as the vehicle where I was exposed to all these different circles of people, right? All these, you know, and and all of all of the, my teachers had a very strong. Um, emphasis on you have to use your art to make change. Yeah. Like, why are you doing it for? You know what I mean? Like, especially Ellen Sebastian. I remember we were we're doing a a, a show outside on 24th and 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 Hampshire or York between Hampshire and York. Oh, uh-huh. And you know, there's they're in the heavy Norteño gang. You know I me mean, at the time, right? Right. This is before the gang injunction, before they started like getting everyone to buy there. Right. Right. As the dot com boom was coming through, and you know, cats were outside, and she was like. You want to be like them holding your balls, grabbing your dick, saying hip hop, or do you want to say something? I'm like, they're going to get me killed out here. Because <laughs> wow. he's pointing at them right across the wow. pointing at them. <laughs> this, is what, this is what you want to do for us. And, and she was so bold, and so I'm like, yo, I got to step my game up. Like, And so just imagine being saturated, like, Robert just surrounding us with these amazing teachers who are, like, crafting it and basically breaking down any notion of, of what I thought I could do with theater, mm-hmm. right? Because the next conversation is we're doing all these plays, we're getting funded, blah, blah. And, of course, the next question someone's going to ask you is, can you teach this? Right. I guess I'll try, you know, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And so, again, I meet Norm and the Young California, right? I'm, you know, each one to reach one. So I'm seeing how they're doing it and how other people, and then I put my own creative spin to it. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, this is how I would teach. This is how I kind of learned it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I was good at teaching kids. Right. But it was never like, a, you know, I came into it like, I'm going to teach young people theater. I'm going to help them write plays, you know help them get their masters. Like, I'm a college dropout. I'm paying for kids to get their masters in theater. Well, yeah. so, like, I don't know about for you, but for me, each yeah. one reach one, one of the best things it taught me as a teacher mm. was to get out of the way. Don't yes. come in with your creativity. Yes. Oh, you know what I would do? If you're going to have a bear, you could do this whole thing about the claws and right. blah, 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 blah. That's mine. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead, you learn to shut that up, mm. put that on the shelf, and let this kid find whatever mm. they find. The thing is, you know, I wasn't I wasn't even a a, a, a a mentor for like the first 
I, like, I, I had flyers and everything, so I kept flyers mm-hmm. from 2002 until now. Or nice. I stopped it. But those golden years, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the oldest flyer I found was either 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't even a mentor, I think, until 2007. So right. most of the time, I was acting. You were the actor, right. I was really reluctant to be a mentor to right. the kids, right? I'm like, no, I just like coming in, getting the script code, and going. Yeah, hit one day, man. Yeah. And then I realized that with those kids – like, everyone in East one East would be like, yo, how do you help these kids, like, do a, you know, get to this potential? And they don't realize the whole time I was just ministering to them. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I would do that exactly what you're saying. I would just let them talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, I would do this. But you just said, put that down. Yeah. Right. Go. Yeah. Go. Right. It's already there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, again, learn these very unconventional ways of teaching and engaging and producing and I'm, I'm thankful because I, I try to think, like, where is there a college course back then where I could have got all this stuff? Yeah. It didn't exist. Yeah, I hear you. Harvey, I have a quick question for you because there's a – I don't want to mention the theater company, but there's a theater company that when I first came in – what is that? Something. <laughs> okay, but that's cool. Um, but there's a theater company, and they specialize with a particular minority community. Mm-hmm. And when I first came in, they had a lot of energy. They're like, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to, you know, speak on, you know, what's happening out in the streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to the theater, that theater company, maybe a couple of years later, and that energy just sort of faded out. Mm-hmm. People just went on to do other things. It was like they got a bolt of energy right that one particular time and then it just faded out it gets insular does that happen or are you worried about that happening with um colored ink or do you you know what i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah. no never um no because where i go fishing at i know what kind of fish i'm going to catch yeah you know if you know that there's trout over here there's bass if you catch something else this is traditionally like yeah like, I know, the, the, the uh, we always just say at East One East One, the best writers are locked up. Yeah. The best playwrights are in jail you. right now. Right. Um, and I just, I don't, I, people never, they thought it was maybe a, a cliche. I'm like, I really mean that. Yeah. Like, some of the most creative minds, because their stories, they right. just, they just don't have utensils yet. Yeah. But they have the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Already set. And they're not limited by the structure, because they don't have a structure. Come right. On. Come on. Exactly. And, and again, as we're, I'm going to quote Cash Money, um, you know, at the time I was coming up, you had Cash Money uh, record label who, they were signing, from an artistry point of view, they were signing a deal that was unheard of, even to this day, where mm-hmm. like, out of 100%, they were getting 90% of revenue mm-hmm. partnered, right? So I come from this kind of generation of people were just break. They didn't know there was rules. Right. Yeah. They just did what they felt. They had leverage. They mm-hmm. built up their equity, and they just did it. And so with these kids now, you just know. You, I'm, I know where I'm going to go to certain places. I know in Oakland. Oakland is a gold mine. Yeah. Right? I, West Oakland, East Oakland. Right. You just know you're going to go to these schools, and you're going to find an X-Men. They're, they're there. They're, they're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, that's what people call me now. They call me Professor X because my whole life is finding other more talented yeah. people who are different. Mm-hmm. Who there's not a school for the gifted for them. Right. Yeah. There's not right. a place so they can be normal in their unnormal nature. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. they think they're weird because not everyone sees and processes the world. But then mm-hmm. I take them to a whole group of people who feel the same. Now they're normal. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, I, I see like this. I hear like, you know, yeah. and so, um, yeah, I, I, I never let poverty pimping get into my bloodstream. Good. 
Good. I hear you. And you mentioned you mentioned uh, fishers. Um, the earlier podcast we talked about uh, Luke chapter five verses one through eleven, where Jesus takes the apostles, pre-apostles, they're not apostles yet, to um, to get fish, and they're yeah. like, "Well, we only okay, we got a little bit of fish," and Jesus is like, "No, go further, go to the deep." Yeah. And it, oh. it, 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 exact, I, I live that same life. I go deep. Like yeah. some people, I'm not, I'm not going to mention an organization. Mm-hmm. I actually heard this, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't mess with kids." Um, in certain areas because they um, they can't read. Mm-hmm. Their read scores are... It's a, it's a huge organization out here. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you go to their events, you see that they, they deal with uh, mostly affluent... Bless you. Mm-hmm. Affluent young kids of non-color. Mm-hmm. You know, who mm-hmm. are crafty, who are... Who are you know, articulate and, you know, can, can you know, they're, they're white kids and black soul. They're, you know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they try to infuse black soul and white kids sure. right, to say stuff that black kids and black, brown kids need to say, but since it's coming from a cute little white girl, yeah. oh, it's, it's cool now. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they, they were very clear that they didn't want to mess with kids from certain um, zip codes because they're struggling, they're harder. Right. And when I was coming up with Cody, that same organization had the same stance. Their people would come to me and say, ah, um, yes, we give kids platforms and we give we put kids on, but we don't deal with their hurt and their pain. Mm-hmm. We just we just use them to catapult our stuff, but we never deal with the scar tissue. You guys are their neosporin. Yeah. You guys heal them and give them a platform yeah. and give them a family and community that they can always come back to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I did that because that's the community I was surrounded by and the core core values mm-hmm. that we live by. Right. So there wasn't no multi-million dollar budgets and, you know, I need to dress you up so you can look good for this funder and, and this work. Right. Come yeah. on, Norm, you already know. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and it, it got me black. It got me a lot of a lot of enemies yeah. doing that. You know, it's yeah, funny. They were ready for it. Yeah, yeah. now I, was, uh, I doing some research on a, pl- a play that I think I'm writing on, and it talks about the struggle between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Dubois, mm-hmm. where I call him Dubois, the voice Dubois. Yeah. But um, Booker T. Washington was like, hey, look, we're going to have a Jubilee choir, and we're going to do fundraising. We're going to dress you up. We're going <laughs> to sing these wonderful Negro spirituals. <laughs> For the white people. Right. And, of course, he built the good historical black colleges. Mm-hmm. Sure. But his mentality was, we need to dress you up to make you look nice. Right. So you can appease the white folks. And, wow. and I think about that. Yeah. That was, well, you make me think about the when that X-Men comment. Yeah. Um, I remember, because each one, each one goes to San Mateo. Right. And it's a very different population right. than it is in San Francisco, Juvie. Um, and there was a little black girl. And we don't work with girls that much either. Right. So it's a totally different set of issues that you're right. struggling with. But it's still identity is at the core yeah. of all of it. Um, I got this little black girl, and she's working on her little piece. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor of it just broke my heart. It was so beautiful. Um, the main character was a rosebud growing up in the, uh, the shell of a redwood tree, you know, that had fallen. Uh, her mom was a storm. That came through every now and then. Mm-hmm. And her aunt was a fawn or panther, or I can't even remember what animal, who would come to check on her every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I was typing it up, and I had to move the paper off to the side because I'm leaning over my keyboard typing it up, and I'm crying as oh, I'm reading. Wow, and yeah. it was getting on the page, and I yeah. couldn't keep reading. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I want this young woman mm-hmm. to be heard. 
I want her peace to be seen and appreciated. And I swear to God, if you see it with the depth that she gave it, it's not going to resonate like anything else you've ever seen. But the depth of it, the emotion of it is going to hit you. Wow. You, you know what's crazy about that whole pro- – <laughs> I feel like this is the East Road Regional Podcast. Robbie, yours! <laughs> <laughs> but no, like some of the, the, the hardest things about that – and I, I kind of taking a little bit of break mm-hmm. because I would no I never told you this but like I would leave I would leave crying right mm-hmm. right like you would see these kids we're, we're in like, this is the crazy thing about juvenile hall our particular juvenile hall mm-hmm. the the population has went down right. incarceration oh, right true but the prison spending has went up mm-hmm. 34 right. million even right. though our, the population is going down right the spending is going up right now yeah. so that, that's a whole other thing but you know, we're, we're there, and some of the parents are there. Well, actually, most of the parents aren't there, and the parents that are, and some are immigrant, can't speak English. Right. Or, you know, some are, are black folks who are just burnt out, who right. care, but just right. struggling. Some yeah. of they're drunk, inebriated, yeah. you know, high. Right. Some of them you can see from the moment they walk in the door, oh, you're part of the problem. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And yet this child loves you. Yeah. And, 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 see, and that's not even the hardest part of it. The hardest part is seeing something so amazing. And be like, damn, we can't do nothing with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because so, we would say it's the best show that nobody gets to see. Fast. Yeah. Because it's it's with it's because it's, it's, it's in and yeah. don't, you have to get on the list. Yeah. Okay, we'll even come in and see it. Powerful. And right. then because they're minors, mm-hmm. our ability to do anything else with it is mm-hmm. completely limited. Yeah. But, but a, a positive though, I don't know. You remember Angel? Yeah, of course. So Angel oh. is a. Uh, um, oh shit! I remember Angel. Um, Come on. It was like his first or second piece, and I'm working with the mentors the first week. You would switch every night, so you get a different kid. Yeah. And Dave is doing the metaphor thing, so um, he says, um, pick something. It was man-made objects, just picking random man-made objects. Mm-hmm. Pick something that you give your mom for a present, and he says, a noose. Ooh. And he didn't, say it out. he didn't say it to anybody else. He was sitting next to me, and he said a noose. And I said, come on, man, because we often get this resistance from people. Sure. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 that's all right. You don't understand. You don't understand. I'll pick something else. And I said, whoa. And I realized he was serious. And I said, if you're serious, you go ahead and put that down, please. And he said, no. But he felt heard and respected wow. by my response. Wow. Wow. And his first one, he got in a fight about mm-hmm. it. Because he refused to, oh, he yeah. knew what he wanted to write, and he refused to stick with the program. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so the, the same kid who gave us so much ish, oh my God, this kid now is pretty much running a five-key site wow. in Bayview, and he calls me and says, hey, Hop, can you come through and right. do some creative writing for mm-hmm. the people who are homeless there? Because I'm trying mm-hmm. to do each one, reach one style stuff, right this place for people who are homeless mm-hmm. in transition. Right. Yeah. We wow. 14, I was 26 or 27, you yeah. know what I mean? So we say all those soft stories. Is but still on the committee? Because yeah. he, uh, he was on the Citizens Overview um, Oversight Committee for the jails at one point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's yeah. So it shows that you know it, it works. You know, oh you have kids God. who, and you know, hearing these stories. I mean, me and my mom. You know, we had a very tumultuous relationship, mm-hmm. but it was theater that got me out of it. Right. That got me right. out of the blur of I can't see past. My right. Pain. That just kept you. Yeah. Pushed so I understand these kids, and it's it's a wonderful thing. What you know, with you and uh, 
what you know your company's doing. That's fantastic. One last thing before we, because uh, we're running into the one-hour mark. You know, with gentrification, you know, a lot of companies are having a hard time with you know paying the bills and all that sort of stuff. And really, people are being pushed out of their yeah. community. Mm-hmm. How how is Color Bank surviving? within these uh, times? That's a great question. The name of the game always is rebranding. Yeah. And so what I'm doing with Colored Ink now, since I I run an organization now, and Colored Ink has become more of a, it's, we've, have now are pollinating other performing arts groups. Right. Right. In a sense of now, we become more of a consulting co-production brand Mm -hmm. versus a full-on production. Right. Um, So, you know, people, you know, it's like an urban urban legend about how we used to come together. We used to be called the thugs of the theater world. Oh, right. Because we would come 20, 25 deep. Right. And it's these young kids of color who just want to express and they mm-hmm. bring all these other people. And so I'm, I'm helping these other arts organizations come up and, in a sense, co- co-produce with them, almost mm-hmm. on the leadership piece, yeah, yeah. of showing them how to create community through the arts, um, how to raise up young people so that they can have their own their own mm-hmm. versions of it with their own DNA, yeah. but it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And now we also consult with like um, different agencies on like yeah how, how to infuse arts back in the schools, so showing data that hey this thing works. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like this is the kind of results you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, and throwing up a couple smaller productions because mm-hmm. uh, I think the name of the game now is accessibility. Yeah, right. It isn't like I would say it's about the church, right? Um, There's a difference between availability and accessibility. Availability is, hey, we're open at 11 o'clock. Come through. Accessibility is like, where are you? Okay, I'll come see you over there. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. And so making theater and this kind of content more mobile and accessible to kids and families who would never come to theater houses, come see it. And that's always been my mission, even from the youngest. We just had theaters to do stuff at, but we did a lot of work inside communities to be able to bring them out mm-hmm. and then we give them amazing incentives for coming you know what i mean like we pay people's pg e bills all oh, right phone oh. bills when they came this is a theater production yeah because yeah. we knew that's what it would take mm-hmm. these are the people we want to hear this but we realized this is what it would take to get them to come out yeah and eventually they would just come like yo you're doing stuff for us yeah oh that's awesome that, that's just fantastic for folks who want to learn more about colored ink and even contribute to colored ink Colorlink.org, and we'll have a link that people can uh, put put on there. Shoutouts. Hey, birthdays. birthdays. Don't have a big list this week. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. Oh, my list like may be bigger, bigger, than, me bigger than yours. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what did I do with it? I can, I can go first. Go for it. Okay, so on tomorrow, a good actor friend of mine, Richard Wenzel, who I've acted with at the uh, Playwright Center for San Francisco, fantastic actor, and we'll have him hopefully as a guest soon. His birthday is tomorrow. Also, uh, I talked about Duke Ellington School of the Arts, the principal of Duke Ellington, Maurice Eldridge, who's still alive and well. His birthday is um, tomorrow. So, Maurice, if you're listening, thank you so much for all that you've done for Duke Ellington to bring a lot of poor, impoverished kids into the world of art in Washington, D.C. On Tuesday... Our good friend Kim Donovan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> her birthday is on Tuesday, and I think she's in a production now. I can't think of what. She's always uh, in a production. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Kiss. Uh, stop Kiss? Not Stop Kiss. Um, uh, I don't know if it's the right thing. Yeah. No, I, I don't have I had it. Um, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll go back to. Mm-hmm. And on Friday, a good friend of ours, Will, 
your your significant other, Mara Fox. Her birthday's Friday. I know, and so <laughs> she's got people coming to see um, Everyday Alice right tonight. So, and it's so funny. All the cards and publicity they put out for this, mm-hmm. all the hard copy stuff. None of it says what time. The show is at seven o'clock every time. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't Not say eight, that. Seven. So it's funny because our backstage, uh, the way Piano Fight is set up, there are two black boxes mm-hmm. which share a hallway. Right. right. And so I'm making entrances. Sometimes I can overhear when people are showing up at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. For a show and we were lucky. It wasn't yeah. our show. It was the other show. Yeah. Um, and the only other birthday I have is Manny Cabrera. I think I've acted with him on in Vendelstiff Studios. Um, and his birthday is Friday. And um, oh, also, I'm sorry. On also on Friday, Melissa Mumbis, Mumbis, and uh, she and I were on stage at the DMT doing Grey Gardens. Mm-hmm. Birthdays. Um, I got Craig and Niebauer, who I went to college with, um, and and then years later he met um, this wonderful uh, woman, Erica. Um, Erica. And I always think of her um, email address as Erica Dancer. <laughs> but um, Erica, uh, and she and he got married, and they got they had triplets. Oh, wow. Oh. So, yeah. They, so their lives is very much about that now. But I know he's still doing theater. Yeah. Um, she's a dancer. I'm not sure, you know, what she's doing with that now. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful actress, uh, Denise Elia Yen. Um, up in uh, North Bay, mm. in Santa Rosa, um, mm. wonderful actress and does musicals Powerhouse. Sheila Balter, who is a director for um, Word for Word, mm-hmm. um, her birthday's coming up, and Meryl Shaw, and people actually responded. I have to talk to you about getting me on the um, administrator thing for this page. Oh, of course. Because my stuff is getting dumped into the, the list for... Um, mm-hmm. For visitors. Oh, sure. sure, sure. Uh-huh. It so it's a little more. Uh, Sheila is directing a reading of um, Octavio Solis's new work. Um, uh, they're going to do a reading from his memoir, Retablos, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be uh, Monday, this Monday evening, March 18th, at the Z Space. Okay. Um, and there'll be post show destruction con- nah, discussion. So mm-hmm. I should probably get off my butt and go because. Octavia's got a show that's going up at Ashland, mm-hmm. and I need to talk to him about it. So. Yeah. Um, she says that she, Denise says she'd send me some, but she didn't send it to me. And Kim said her piece is with the other other theater company at the Dean Lesher. Okay. Uh, it's called Stage Kiss. And um, it's a love letter to theater and love of the old loves that build you. Ah. And they open this Sunday for a limited engagement. So Okay. There's birthdays and and stuff. And I think I've got one other announcement. Oh, Lion in Winter. Danny's. Danny uh, closes. Danny uh, Danny Martin's show, The Lion in Winter at Coastal Rep, closes uh, this weekend, closes tomorrow. Okay, since we're in shows, um, well, Everyday Alice, of course, I'll pump that. The Utopia Theater Project, uh, February the 15th, that opened uh, yesterday. And then it closes March. Previews, yes. And it'll close March the 9th. Um, and you're in the show, yeah, and Marissa Wanless is directing the show. Yeah. Who was episode 93. Also, uh, the Bad Repertory. I don't know if you heard of this uh, company, Bad Rep. I'm not sure. They're at Z Space, and they're doing a thing called Schooled. Huh. Um, and that's only three days, February the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And it sounds like uh, it's uh, sort of, it's, it's, it almost parallels what Color Link, I think, is doing. But in case school, that's what's happening. Also, Cutting Ball Theater is doing La Ronde, uh, March the 14th through April the 14th. 
I don't know if you know who Janae Simon is. Uh, She's a great black actress. Uh, I'm always confused by her name because it's J-E-U-N. I know. It tripped me up, too. (laughs) I've been trying to get her. I acted with her on Civil War Christmas, and I've been trying to get her in the chair, and uh, she's just been way too busy. Mm -hmm. But in any case, yeah, so LaRonde is in, is, is, that's the show that's at Cutting Ball Theater. Also, Theater First is doing The Last Sermon of Sister Imani. Uh, that opened uh, on Valentine's Day, and it closes March the 3rd. Also, Bindlestiff is doing The Love Egyptian, Falling, Falling Hard. Uh, that opened on uh, Valentine's Day, closes March the 2nd. King of the Yees, San Francisco Playhouse, uh, Crystal Piemonte Jong, she was a guest on uh, The Yay. She's in that January the 22nd, that's when it opened, and it closes March the 2nd. And those are the shows that I have. Um, well, and so I'm going to talk about shows that were on my show, because mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Everyday Alice is yes. about Alice and Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. They were modern people grown up. Um, Central Works is also opening a show this weekend. It's called Wonderland. Oh, okay. And it, um, it says it is a cross between Alice in Wonderland and Kafka. Okay. And so that's kind of weird. That's opening this weekend. And it opened, I think, a week or so ago at Piano Fight is another show uh, about Peter Pan hmm. called Never Never Land. What's going on? So <laughs> there's this weird energy in the air. Yeah. Bob, you got any, any more to promote? Yeah. Um, I'm doing a show this Thursday at the Fillmore Heritage Center at mm. um, 7 o'clock. Um, I'll be at the uh, mm-hmm. district attorney's office okay. for Black History Thing on the right. 7th. Yeah. Um, so the shows are like, big, but like, so I'm gonna be. Black History Month is crazy because it's it's our condensed. I, I love it. And I hate it because I try to do so many shows. Yeah. And this is the, few, you know. Well, I mean, it's only 28 days. I mean, you know, yeah. it's only four weekends. So it's a leap year, right? You one yeah. day, but yeah. Um, yeah, I have some amazing performances. A lot of them in schools. Um, just. Yeah, we're just trying to keep black history alive in a lot of these schools. So I'll of be course. in Yemen, I'll be in leadership, um, uh-huh. a couple of schools in Daly City. Um, uh-huh. oh, man, yeah, there's so many. I'll be in hundred. Yeah, it's a show in hundreds of years. It's a like the places where I'm going. There's, there's no artists coming in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring in the bring in the arts, bring in the expression. Yeah, will it be on Colouring? The yeah, uh, the website. Yeah, page. you can go to the Instagram too, Colouring Four and Five. Yeah, um, Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got shows coming up. We do a free writing workshop starting okay. in, Mar- in uh, March. Yeah. Um, for just any creative writers to come through. We call it Writer's Block. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll have some shows coming out this fall. Colorlink 415? Yeah, at, at Instagram. Okay, got it. Got it, got it. Cool. It's good to have that there. Did you have a good time, man? Yeah, it's amazing. I wish it was longer, man. I know, I know. <laughs> I've been, been thinking about doing another podcast called uh, Black in the Bay. Where, uh, but I just needed to, you know, get individuals. But it sounds like that would be uh, right down the alley. But it sounds like you two, you're way, way, way busy. Hey, man, I make some time for a good conversation. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this Christian is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. You gotta have faith, and yeah. we should have you on there as well. But in any case, um, all right. So let me wrap it up. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. Really, any um, podcasting app you use, you can find um, the Yay. You can also find the Yay on iTunes if you're one of these old schoolers who uh, listens to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and you can search for the Yay and you'll find us. If you're an Android user, you can uh, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, 
let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. I gotta, I gotta get my Instagram. Yeah. It's, I got one. I just never use yeah. it. And uh, Javier, I think we can find you at Colored Ink 415. Do you have a personal one? Yeah. Uh, improv Hav. Okay. I am P-R-O-V-K-A-B on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Right on. We'll have you and you can uh, I've got that plug in. You just click on that. And we've got to find a better sign-off. And we are out.